0: Why does it seem like judging is the worst possible sin in today's society? What modern-day culture says about judgment versus what the Bible says about it? Plus, a hint for next week's discussion. I'm Benjamin Tankersley, and this is the New Thought Project. Welcome to Episode 7, everybody. Glad that you are here today. Uh, Today we're going to be discussing judgment. I'm sure you have run into this situation on social media, or perhaps in person, which is... uh, that in today's society, um, judging somebody seems to be by far the worst possible thing you can do. It doesn't matter what the Bible says or what God commands, judging someone's actions typically isn't perceived positively. And I wonder why. What got us to this point where uh, almost every sin that the Bible lists is accepted in today's culture? And um, merely criticizing these sins is looked down upon. Well, I'm going to break it down and analyze it today. First, I want to distinguish a common conflation between judgment and righteous judgment. Uh, The reason these two are often very much conflated is because the Bible mentions both. The most common verse used by modern-day Christians today is Matthew 7, which reads, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you what does this mean? I see this everywhere. I'll post about, uh, you know, homosexuality or any other kind of heart sin, and I met with this. They mean well, but they take a verse out of context, and we got to be, we all have to be very careful about doing this, but when we take a verse out of context and apply it to today's society, it very often is, is going to be translated into the wrong meaning of what it originally means. Uh, so, for instance, they take this Matthew 7 verse, do not judge, or you too will be judged, and, and that's really the only part of that verse that will be ascribed to the situation. But even taking the whole verse, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you, they apply this to all kinds of criticism, sinful criticism. So we can no longer say, okay, the Bible says homosexuality is wrong, um, and we can't list the verses because then, Matthew 7, do not judge or you too will be judged, right? You can't judge me or you're, or you're going to be judged. Um, but look at the verse. I can definitely apply this to my life and still judge homosexuality. Why? Because it reads, do not judge Or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. So if I say homosexuality is wrong, I should apply that to myself. If I say divorce is wrong, I should apply that to myself. If I think cursing is wrong, again, I should apply that to myself. I am not a homosexual. Therefore, this verse applies to me perfectly. Right. So looking back at the verse, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. So, uh, and, uh, and the, this co-aligns with the other verse, right? First, take out the log in your own eye before you examine the speck into your friends. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Okay. So, if I was uh, guilty, or if I, if I was guilty of an unrepentant sin, let's just take cursing. Let's say I, um, there's arguments on both sides, you know, is cursing a sin, is it not? I ascribe to the position that, yes... You know, do not let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. So if I was guilty of this and, you know, I I was a person who was known to curse every day and then I walked up to people who were like me in that sense and I said, you know what, it's wrong for you to curse, but I was guilty of that sin and I was unrepentant of it. This is what Matthew 7 is talking about. It's talking about hypocrisy. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So if I'm um, saying that these people who are cursing should be punished in a certain way, and I'm guilty of that sin, then that should be applied to me as well. It should be measured to me um, as well. That's what Matthew seven is talking about. So going back to what I was saying, right? If I'm if I think that these sins are wrong, and I am not partaking in these sins, if or if I had in my past, and I've repented of them, then this verse perfectly applies to me. That's why it was written. Um, this verse applies to me if if you're not guilty of these sins. It it but so does John seven twenty four. John seven twenty four says, "Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment." And actually, First Corinthians uh, chapter two verses fifteen through sixteen kind of expounds on this a little bit more. Uh, that verse says, But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, so taking both of these verses into context, whether it's Matthew 7, John 7, 1 Corinthians two fifteen through 16, taking them all into context and aligning them up, we, we get a very clear picture of what uh, or of how God wants us to perceive sin, judge sin, live our own lives, right? Um, so when we're taking Matthew 7, right, do not judge lest you be judged, that's also in context with 1 Corinthians 2, 15 through 16, right? So, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. So, 1 Corinthians is saying, if we have the mind of Christ, if we're perceiving the world through the mind of Christ, like we should as Christians, because Colossians tells us to uh, think of heavenly things, right, as we're thinking. We're supposed to have the mind of Christ, perceiving things. We're not supposed to have a worldly mind. Uh, That's what lands us in a whole heap of trouble, often. But if we are perceiving certain sins, certain behaviors, through the mind of Christ— then we are going to have to judge them with righteous judgment, right? And again, going back to uh, the false uh, application of Matthew 7 in today's world, if we're judging and guilty of that sin, that is wrong. That is hypocrisy, um, which Jesus called out the Pharisees for, right? Hypocrites. Probably the most famous hypocrites in history are the Pharisees. Um, so we we know that Jesus doesn't like hypocrisy. We know that. Um, so it, it's all about taking it into context. Another great verse is Ephesians five eleven, chapter five verse eleven, which says, "Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them." So we are expected to expose sin, expose darkness, and we're also expected not to take any part in them, which would then equal. Uh, hypocrisy, if we're taking part of these unfruitful works and also exposing them, that's hypocrisy. So Ephesians also sheds more light on this, right? I'm going to read it again. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So as Christians, the more we're reading Scripture, the more clear that picture should be of how we should live, right? So taking these into context when a sin, such as homosexuality, is condemned in Scripture, I am therefore commanded to Number one, abstain from that sin, as Romans one twenty-six through twenty-eight, Jude one five through eight, and Timothy one eight through eleven, which all roundly criticize the homosexual lifestyle as being sexually immoral. Right. So number one, I have to abstain from that sin. Number two, if suffering from that sin, not to judge others by it, Matthew seven, Titus one sixteen. Matthew 23, 27-28, James one through 22-23, and Matthew 17, 1-9 all speak about hypocrisy. Okay, those are some good verses to, to seek out if you're suffering from hypocrisy or if you uh, are, are reflecting on a sin in your life that you know you haven't repented of. Uh, those are some great verses to check out. Number three, repent. This is a step that is throughout the Bible um, commanded. Of Christians we are to turn and repent turn and repent okay and then number four we are to judge that sin as those verses uh, I stated earlier John 7 24 1 Corinthians 2 15 through 16 and Ephesians 5 11 we are supposed to judge sin that is righteous judgment and so when you're on social media or you're out in the world out and about and you are seeing something that is wrong like homosexuality, which is so accepted in today's culture that I understand it can be hard to do that, but we are to do that. Now, this is, I don't want to say dangerous, but we have to be careful about the way we go about it. Um, It's a crucial and key aspect that has to be involved in this. I'm very guilty of this at times as well. If we judge without the love of Christ and without pointing others to Christ, we fail. It's pointless. Oftentimes we get caught up in merely being right for our own glory that we forget to bear in love, strive for unity, and actually end up causing more hurt oftentimes when we forget to do this because that causes division, right? And and especially if you're witnessing to non-believers, people who are not of the faith, just coming at them and telling them their lifestyle is wrong is going to turn them away. Um, even though their lifestyle is wrong, and, and you might might be right in that, we have to do this in love, right? We have to love them first, and then through that love, we have to try and turn them uh, to Christ. First uh, Corinthians sixteen fourteen says to be completely humble, to be patient, and to bear with one another in love. Uh, so basically, there's a massive conflation issue with hypocrisy and discernment, and that's what it all really boils down to. Okay, the Bible says to discern good and evil and to hate evil. We, we, we're to hate uh, the evil that is displayed in the world. We are not uh, to be of this world. Uh, we are to set our minds on things that are above. Okay? Christ laid down the example as to how we are to live. Uh, he commanded his disciples to do the same thing. And we are to follow Christ's example. This is another thing that kind of grinds my gears is um, all these different denominations in the world that take the Bible however they want to take it. I'm kind of hitting hard on homosexuality, but that's such a, a, a prominent point in today's society. All these companies and uh, you know production companies and whatnot, they're changing their logo to support the pride movement. And I know I spoke a, a little bit about this uh, last week or maybe the week before. So I don't want to talk too much about it and, and beat a dead horse, but they do that, number one, for a, a profitable gain, you know, that's going to increase business for them. But they also do that because that is the way of the world, accepting the sinful life what, in, in what, whichever form this comes as, accepting your sinful life is the way of the world. That is the natural response for a human, for human nature. We're actually seeing pedophilia be accepted in today's world accepted and that's because the door has been opened once we start accepting people's quote-unquote lifestyles (coughs) they then turn to matthew 7 and say you know what we can't we can't judge them they ignore the rest of scripture where it says no judge with righteous judgment and they hone in on matthew 7 Well, well you know we can't judge them you know who are we to judge that's, that's the most common one I've, I've heard. Who am I to judge? Right? Who are we to judge? Well, as Christians, we're supposed to judge. With righteous judgment, we are to discern between good and evil. We are to hate evil. What is evil? This could easily run into another topic I want to cover, which is absolute truth. I'll talk about that a separate day. But what determines what evil is? What determines what good is? That's a problem I've run into very recently. If, if you don't base anything on Scripture, which is an absolute standard for what good and evil are, well, then everything else is subjective. Actually, interestingly, uh, lately on Facebook, I sort of ran into this question. If there is no God, then your standards for good and evil are just opinions. Right? So to say there is no God is to say there is no higher truth. And to say there is no higher truth means the standards for good and evil are basically just opinions. Well, you know, murder's wrong because the majority of people think it's wrong, but I don't think it's wrong. Well, you know, pedophilia, that's wrong just because a lot of people think it is. But, you know, I just happen to be attracted to, to a little kid. That's just my lifestyle. That's who I am. That's my truth. There's another one. My truth. I'm sure you've heard this a lot. Just live your truth. What does that mean? We're degrading the term truth, and we're actually redefining what that means so that there is no applicable truth. There is no constant, consistent standard for what truth is, and the danger with that is that you are going to conflate true evil with true good. Absolute evil with absolute good. Exhibit A, homosexuality, the pride movement, transgenderism. These are inherently evil desires being conflated with the good of acceptance, quote-unquote. There is a real danger um, in the world, and it doesn't stop with the pride movement. It's, it's everywhere. People are following their natural inclinations for a sinful lifestyle and as christians we would we should really be concerned about that you know a part of being in the world is being complacent with the world allowing people to live the way they want to live you know there's a danger to that and so when we're not confronting it it starts in the church the church is meant to be a fellowship of Christians. A coming together of people who are like-minded, of people who are uh, strong or strengthening their beliefs, so that from the church we can go out and we can witness to the world, right? And so we can bring others to Christ. There's a, there's a misconception that the church should be open to all. Now, I'm not saying discrimination or anything like that, but what I am saying is that If the church is made up of weak-minded theologians, of people who don't know the scripture and have no desire to learn more about it, well, then we're sending those people out in the world, and they're going to be complacent with the world, and that is exactly what we see today. People who go out in the world, and they see that acceptance equals love. This is something else I've also talked a lot about. That's another problem we see today. Acceptance equals love. And this actually plays into the topic for today. What is the difference between judgment and righteous judgment? When people don't accept someone's lifestyle because of righteous judgment, they're acknowledging that that person is living in unrepentant sin. The world sees that as hate. Here we go again with the conflation between with the conflation of evil and good. The world sees us as not accepting that some uh, that person's lifestyle, so then therefore we must hate them. Well, where did that come from? It's because they've redefined what love and hate, what evil and good are. They redefine things. I heard this actually just yesterday. I heard this take from a very popular uh, person with a podcast, Mr. Alex Jones. He was saying that they take... The the left primarily takes terms and redefines them. I say humans, by our nature, we do that because we don't want to be held accountable for our actions. This is why people discount the existence of God. This is why people don't believe in God is because inherently they know that if there is a God, if there is a higher being, which then equals a higher truth, they have to be held accountable for their actions. That is inherently true. Christians believe this. Logically, if there is a God, and we believe in the God of uh, order, not the God of chaos, as it logically suggests, then this God has set a standard for how he wants us to live. And he actually says, if you love me, you will obey me. You will obey my commandments. That is the trademark for how we show people we love Jesus is if we are following and obeying his commandments. We're going to struggle. We're humans. We're going to live our life constantly being sinners. We're never not going to be a sinner. But if we are struggling, and if we're fighting, and if we're struggling to live in his commandments, and hating our sin, and repenting of our sin, then we're, that is the true mark of a Christian. Is growing in our faith. And that's how we grow in our faith. And so... There's, there's, a, there's that difference between the Christian of today, the true Christian of today, and the world. Everybody else is, is going to want to accept who you want to be. This is the rise in homosexuality. This is the rise in transgenderism. People want to follow their, their heart. That's another motto today that we hear. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Oftentimes, our hearts and our dreams, you know what? They contradict what the Bible says. Almost, almost always that's going to be the case. Humans, we suffer from lust. We suffer from greed. We suffer from pride. These are conditions of being human. We suffer from these things. And so we have to be careful not to pursue them. And so I, we see the devil at work today, the pride movement. Everybody's opening their arms and saying, hey, you know what? We have a community for you here. You can be who you really want to be here. You can be yourself. It's so tempting. It just goes against the words of Scripture. Fight the good fight. It's going to be a fight. If you suffer from these these sins, which we all suffer from sin, it's supposed to be a fight. And when you give up and you just accept, quote unquote, who you really are, you've lost the fight. That, That is losing the fight embracing your sinful nature is, uh, losing the fight. All right, let's see. Um, I think that just about wraps it up for today. Uh, but I promised a, a hint for next week's episode. Uh, and all I can say is group discussion. Uh, that's right. I'll be meeting with two people to discuss an important topic and aspect in modern society. So tune in. You do not want to miss my first group discussion. It's going to be lively uh, two, two pretty good friends of mine are going to be joining me so uh, it's going to be interesting we're going to be ta- talking about a juicy topic next week and uh, you really want to listen to that it's not going to be live so you're not going to miss it if you tune in later but uh, just definitely tune in at some point and uh, send in you know, comments or questions um, and that's our show I want to thank everyone for tuning in and also wanted to mention that I have created a YouTube channel where you can find my videos episodes 1 and 2 are currently uploaded uh, but more will be uploaded in the near future. As always, please email me at thenewthoughtproject@gmail.com at for any comments, topic requests, general questions, or concerns. Yada yada yada. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Benjamin Tankersley, and this is the New Thought Project.